0: Hey there, folks. You might hear a few audio glitches in this particular episode of Ask Adverb. Sorry about that. We're having a few equipment problems we hope to have solved by our next episode. Hope you enjoy this one. You ready? Yeah. You look ready. I'm fucking ready. You sound ready. (laughs) I was born ready. Welcome to another edition of Ask Adverb with uh, this guy over here. His name is Tyler Butler and I'm Adam Rosenhardt. And we have a very special guest in the studio today. His name is Jeff McClain. You might know him from such uh, projects as uh, Sex Germs. <laughs> Wait, were you Sex
1: Germs? Sex Germs, yes. Yeah, Pride
0: yeah. Tape. What else have you done? You brought us some rum that you uh, that you work on.
1: 97 was Orbits. Uh, <laughs> Back in the day. For those of and, you
0: who don't know, Orbitz was a soda with jizz in it.
1: Yeah, it was the the, the liquid with balls, <laughs> yeah, which became known in uh, Rolling Stone magazine, Hot Issue with Cameron Diaz on the cover, because I think that's when she did the movie Mask with Jim Carrey. So oh wow, I think it was that long ago. I think it was 97 when we did the taste testing video in Los Angeles. Um, you know, prior to 9-11 so you know credentials and we, we were able to do a lot more things like we got backstage at the Oscars and we ended up sticking you know logo magnets on limousines as they pulled around the corner to drop stars off at the Oscars. <laughs> who, all for, uh,
0: who hosted the Oscars that year?
1: I don't know we didn't we we got backstage and and we were actually using the orbits for mix at the time so uh <laughs> We got to meet Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight, which was fun. And then we we went around LA and we got a star map and and tried to find Sharon Stone's house. We got the next door neighbor who was an actress. Uh, can't Can't remember her name. But then we went to Jack Nicholson's house and tried to get in through the gates uh, <laughs> up in the Hollywood Hills, and that fell apart because we were overserved the night before at the uh, Viper Room. Where Wait, that was uh, of them to overserve? Yeah, yeah, that it was it's terrible. terrible. Johnny, and, and also, I looked it up. It's Billy Crystal. What's that? He, he was, was the host. host of the Oscars. Oh, was he? Oh, okay, yeah, so very cool. Well, Johnny Depp kicked us out of the Viper Room initially, <laughs> but he said go into this back room. It's when he owned it at the time. Yeah, and we ended up drinking that night with Harry Dean Stanton and. Beverly D'Angelo but because we were sticking Orbits decals all over the walls and giving the bartender shirts without asking and stuff so as we got to talk to him he turned out to be a nice guy and let us stay and party as long as we took the stuff down so that was a crazy <laughs> that was like a taste testing video we did for Clearly Canadian who who, who basically created Orbitz um, back then so it was that was a wild ride and then we also did a taste testing video uh, in New York um, I think a couple weeks later, and the guy that was filming the the video for us he was he was living in the bronx and he was waiting for the driver to come pick him up and uh he got mugged and they stole our camera at seven (laughs) in the morning so we actually we were three hours behind immediately because we had to wait till 10 o'clock in the morning to uh go get go rent another camera oh man i'm learning
0: we are not having enough fun yeah yeah Yeah, we we
1: haven't been to new york yet though so we're la
0: you might be most famous for designing the adverb logo (laughs)
1: It's one of my highlights. It's one of my career highlights. That was yeah. a
0: that was kind of fun because like so Tyler and I decided to start this company in the middle of a political campaign. Yes. And uh I reached out to you and was like, "We need a logo." And I think your first reaction was was kind of like, "Finally, you're doing this." Like you and I have worked together right. a lot over the past few years. Do you remember when we shared an office?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I was <laughs> thinking about that on the way down. I mean, I I when people ask me what we did for a living it was like watch youtube videos yeah (laughs) you know kings of leon shred edition uh and you know anything to do with will ferrell and eastbound and down i think you know the fact that we got paid for it i probably shouldn't be saying this publicly but uh we did we probably had way too much fun (laughs) but i think it was a bit of a hangover from those work hard, play hard days, which I think have changed not to get into the old man, you know, diatribe now, but it's like, it is different. And we worked long hours. Uh, it was very fast out of the gate on, on everything. And, but you also played really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun.
0: Do you feel like that, that sort of, uh, mindset is gone from, from advertising and marketing, or are you still playing hard? I
1: just think, (laughs) I just think legally you're not allowed to do it now. Like I think, I think companies have to register like their timesheets and when people are, you know, burnout and mental, mental health and all of that is, uh, it's very real and, and very important. But I think for me personally, and certainly our group of friends, uh, I think you still have to enjoy yourself and experience new things and get uncomfortable with with different experiences, which will help you sell something in a meeting one day because you have either interacted with that target audience that may not be you or whatever the situation is. Uh, I think it's still important to... I mean, it's really... And that's been the biggest problem the last couple of years, just not being able to go out. Um, So that's been tough. But I think it's still really important to to socialize especially with friends in the industry and just you know commiserate about like it, it, it's funny cuz it to me it's been 30 plus years wow and it actually really besides the technology the the philosophy of everything really hasn't changed what do you, do you know? think
0: what's the philosophy
1: uh a <laughs> great question <laughs> i i for me, it's like, I think everybody has their own style. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, it was funny with the, with the, um, the start of the pandemic. Uh, I work for an agency full time uh, with my friends at, at Ray agency in St. John's, Newfoundland. And it's, it's interesting because I've been working with them for a very long time and we were working for a distance for years before COVID hit. Yeah, But Weirdly enough, is that we were doing everything by phone and not by Zoom, right. and just that addition of being able to see people's uh, faces it when helps. you're pitching ideas is yeah. everything because yeah. it's not what's being said; it's actually what not being said. Like seeing people say nothing and see their faces turn, and you're going, oh, "I guess that isn't a very good idea." <laughs> but but yeah. what I did was, uh, I would get in the car a lot. This is going to sound really silly, but I'd get in the car and drive the hen day like around the city. Yeah. Because most of my ideas uh, come from that thinking time of doing something you know, like going to the dog park or driving around the city. It's the sh- mindless. It's, it's the mindless shower stuff that, thoughts. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. That lets it in. I just don't shower. That's why I <laughs> yeah. said the car <laughs> or the dog park. Thoughts. Yeah.
0: Golden shower. Thoughts. Yes. Those are, those yes. are called the best kinds of shower thoughts. I yeah. think, um, I think
1: that's, I'm going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> it's funny.
0: <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned like the video thing, because I can remember when we'd have like conference calls with clients in, in the big boardroom at the agency we worked at and you'd kind of be puzzling over what they're trying to get at. I don't know if you were around for this one. We had a we had a client, I can't say who it was, but uh, they said um, that we were doing a, something around like not smoking. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. said we couldn't use the icon for n- no smoking right. because it was triggering for the audience. Mm-hmm. And we were like, so you want us to invent an entirely new symbol that indicates that you shouldn't smoke? And they were like, yes, that's it. And we were just like okay, we're not doing that. So, yeah, but I I do feel like if you had them in the room or you had them on a video call, it just would have been a different vibes, easier to solve. I
1: think one of the things I said very early on in the pandemic, whether I came up with it or stole it, like I do most of the time is, uh, you know, calling it the great equalizer Mm -hmm. because, you know, you know, also working with with pride tape and and working with the NHL and in my spare time and and meeting new friends there and and doing some interesting work is that you were meeting some, some pretty high up folks there, but you know, they're in their dining room or their living room, their young kids are running around, you know, I had a client, you know, that was trying to get her toddler's socks on her feet while, while I was presenting ideas and you just quickly got to just, you know, just go with it and say like, you know, we're just going to make this work. And, and so the great equalizer was like that whole, uh, you know, we're all the same, just trying to trying to make a go of the day and, and try and get some good ideas across. And it became a lot more collaborative, like just with, with, and, and, and I'd say even with pride tape, uh, you know, having calls with, Last week was you know Major League Baseball in New York. It was the pro league in the UK and a, and a merchandiser uh, in Belfast and all that. And, and just really great down to earth people that just want to do good things out there. And the fact that you could have those calls, yeah, that I can tell you that that probably wouldn't have happened if we weren't locked down. because people are oh, we're busy. You know when you're running around in an office and you've got meetings upon meetings every day it's, uh, just can't just, you know, who is it? Somebody in Canada? Like, you know, I I don't have, sorry, I don't have time now. It's, it's easy. It's quick. It's fun. And, and, uh, the contacts are everything. And it's, it's how we, we get to, to progress with, with projects is just get that, that, uh, different stimuli from everywhere going. And that's why I love working with, um, people either across the country or, are all over the world, it's uh, you just get those different perspectives, which ultimately makes the work better. Yeah. Can you
0: guys give me the origin story of Pride Tape? Like, I feel like I'm trying to put it together based on what I've heard you guys talk about, but I don't know. You, I hear a Kickstarter. I, I really don't know how it started. Yeah. Uh, so I think this was this is something that came from a client we were working with, mm-hmm. uh, um, Chris Wells, Dr. Chris Wells, who at the time was working for the Institute for. Sexual Minority Studies and Services at the University of Alberta. And we did a campaign with them, I think, in 2012 or 2011 or something like that called No Homophobes, where we created this website, nohomophobes.com, that was pulling data from Twitter and showing the use of homophobic slurs in real time. And, like, the, the graph was astonishing. Like, just the amount of people using that awful language was, was an eye-opener. And the idea there was, like, let's reflect the world back at itself and say, you're using these casual homophobic language. Like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when people would be like, Oh, that's gay. Mm-hmm. And, and no one batted an eye, but you, you can't do that anymore. You never should have done it in the first place. So we had this one successful campaign with Dr. Wells and Isthmus And he came along and I know I think we had a series of like meetings where he's like, I really want to tackle homophobia in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that's persistent. I can't remember if he brought that up, Jeff, or if no, that was your idea.
1: No, it was actually the brainchild of a, of a good friend of ours, Pierre Chan, really yes. smart, creative guy. And he actually came up with the idea around No Homophobes, you know, based on some of his own, you know, uh, situations. And, and again, a really, really great idea. And, and then worked with his partner at the time, the uber talented Nicola Pringle, and then i was i was working with them as well and what happened was is when uh, the company that we were working alongside of burn kid out in vancouver they yes. built this website and then for i think it was 2 months that we before we went live we were just looking at the data and then what we realized is that the homophobic language was was spiking drastically during sporting events huh. so the super bowl was like the mega oh, uh, yeah. wow. incidence of of homophobic language and then and then uh there was you know nba nhl playoffs and stuff i think at the time there uh, was
0: there was one one that was like not a negative spike we called it the dyke spike because use of the word dyke increased but it was during a, a gay pride march right i think in montreal or something like right. that but I remember Frank Calder, like, loving that. He was yes. just like, yes, they're, you know, reclaiming the language. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So with the, with, you know, these incidents happening during sporting events, we set you know, again, working with Chris, who's amazing. And yeah, the, the reason for No Homophobes and Pride Tape and all of these great projects that we got to work on. We said, you know, we really need to do something around sports. And then because we're based here in Edmonton, uh, we said, well, we should we should choose hockey. If like we're always looking for what's the wedge in Mm -hmm. on the bigger the bigger project. So we said, let's choose hockey because it's in our own backyard. Uh, We have friends and contacts uh, in the NHL and and Chris's connection to the Edmonton Oilers as well uh, said, well, let's choose hockey because it's the last pro sport where there is no out uh, mm. existing player or alumni so yeah. it it was it, it was the right thing to do to to start with hockey and, and go from there and then and then what happened is we created a Kickstarter campaign and which Adam was was the quarterback I know wrong sport w- one of them. wrong <laughs> sport but uh, there were lots of other people there was, yeah lots of people on that team that were uh, doing some amazing things Cheryl as well who was who was managing the Kickstarter campaign. And, uh, gotta say that was a really interesting, uh, time cause that's a whole other topic just unto itself because we really didn't know what success looked like yeah. and you have to, right. You have to target it with a, with a, with an actual number. And we are like, I, you know, we had to print when we, when we had the idea of the tape, From the manufacturing side, we knew we had to print ten thousand rolls. Right. So now you have to raise the money for those ten thousand rolls.
0: How much was that? Was Uh, it like fifty grand?
1: It was. It was just over thirty for uh, the tape itself, three something a unit, and then. But what we also needed to do to generate interest was create, you know, T-shirts and stickers and other pieces to go along with it to actually bundle it with the tape to make it worthy of. you know, a forty or fifty dollar contribution on Kickstarter. So, um, you know, we contacted the Oilers, and, and Andrew Ference came into our office, and we showed him the idea, which was like a one pager. And he said, "Like I'm all in." And uh, he had previously marched uh, in the Pride Parade right. on behalf of the Oilers when he was captain. And so we got his full support. We created the Kickstarter video with with Andrew, and then Global Edmonton were like again, unbelievable. If it wasn't for Global, it wouldn't have happened because they created, you know, they gave us the production to do the video nice. uh, with John Sexsmith at the Global Sports. It was his Wee hockey team that were stars in the video. Hmm. And uh, and I still, you know, talk to John uh, all the time. And and Global is still a, a huge uh, support uh, for Pride Tape to this day. And, and they helped us uh, not only locally, but put the message out across Canada, like washroom posters, uh, videos, uh, billboards, et cetera, yeah. to generate the money to make. But I think it was, we were about three days out from from making I think we were still three days out and about six or seven grand out yeah. from making our what we needed to make. And with Kickstarter, if you don't make the money, you don't get, it's gone. You don't get anything back, unlike GoFundMe. So we... Uh, We're in our last few days. We're about six or seven grand short. And the Oilers said, we want to feature it in our skills competition. But there was no tape. So we had to prototype it. So it was basically six different color rolls of tape, even before we knew if it could be made or not. So it was a major leap of faith. Yeah, it was wild. Um, But they it was amazing. Uh, like I still remember, uh, Adam, you were there with me yeah. when we were in the bowels of Rexall place for the news conference with, with Andrew and Chris. And then we were, you know, asked to be guests of the Oilers and, and go up to the catwalk and watch the, the all-star skills competition where they're using the tape. So I remember being in the elevator that takes you from the basement to the very top of Rexall and it was right when the players were jumping onto the ice with the tape on their stick. And the cameraman had the the camera really low to the ice. And these guys were jumping on like really fast. And yeah. all you could see was this flash of like rainbow tape. And it yeah. was like, Oh my God, like this is real. This is, this is crazy. And and it just went from there. It got picked up the next day in the Guardian newspaper in in uh, the UK and and all over the world. And then and then fast forward to about six months or maybe it was a year later. I was down in LA, uh, invited down there, and I was standing on the corner, uh, and 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 my best friend growing up, uh, he's the goalie coach for the for the Kings, so unbeknownst to me he went in and told the players like because the, the rule at the time in the nhl was like not everybody had to use it it was i think six players in, at least six players had to use the tape in in warm-ups so
0: in fact you i, I believe they had to change that like in game rules if or maybe they didn't
1: like, yeah you, so so at the very beginning it was like it was only for warm-ups right uh for for various reasons and then what happened was there was some players that just wanted to buck the system because you know they had someone very close to them or this had deeper meaning for them and they just kept it on their stick so jonathan huberdo very early on i think florida panthers were one of the first teams to have a pride night and he just had it on his stick in the game and there was a picture of it that i wasn't allowed to show to anybody for (laughs) a couple of years until curtis gabriel came on the scene and and curtis has it on the the butt end of his stick for every game and, uh, I've been fortunate to have met Curtis a few times and we've become close friends. And again, it's, 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 it's allies like Curtis in the league that have taken it to another level. But I remember being in the corner, uh, in LA and standing next to Will Farrell, uh, who's a bit of a hero of mine and, and, and the players, all the players for LA had it on their sticks. And I had found out later that Bill had said, Hey, You know, I know that not everybody has to use this, but a buddy of mine came up with this, and anyway, they all said we're we're using it. Like none of us are using it. So that was like uh, again, I think to this day. I mean, six six years on, there's with all the meetings that that happen and and great people you meet around the world and the and the notes that you get from from young people on how it's impacted their lives very positively. Like some, some are pretty, pretty heartfelt. There's been some, you know, suicide attempts and things and, um, very serious stuff that it's helped young people, uh, with, it's still very much a pinch yourself moment every day, Yeah. no matter who you talk to. It's like, yeah, it's still very surreal after all this time.
0: So, so I know it's obviously, it's not the only thing you work on day to day. Um, but what's next for for Pride tape is there anything that you can share with us that that uh that you're working on in that area
1: well it, it, excited to like this summer we're working with uh baseball and and softball leagues in in uh, the collegiate world and in the pro leagues in the u.s and and as far as the hockey goes it it's stemmed into it, it's gone into other areas like uh one example is a uh, children's book. Uh, been working on with the NHL and their Declaration of Principles, a series of eight books. Just wrapping, uh, just wrapped the first one and, and now getting it out there, getting it out there very shortly. Uh, it's called Who's Hockey, and it's 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 their Declaration of Principles are eight different words of of characteristics that the game brings to you or you bring to the game, and and the first one is acceptance. Um, so it's not specifically a pride tape book yeah. um but you know obviously pride tape makes an appearance on the kid's sticks of course so Good. but that's that's been a really fun learning experience i, I will tell you you know the the story behind the story was i remember a couple of years ago now going to the nhl and pitching him pitching them this book and and uh took the red eye flight and you know have a hard time sleeping on planes and stuff so when i got there i was pretty pretty burnt out and stuff, but went into the room and had my laptop with me. And I had, you know, obviously a presentation deck and, and they said, you know, Jeff, would you like to plug in the computer and hook up to the TV and all that? And I said, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you the story. We're just gonna talk about it. And, and it went really well, uh, needless to say, and and they've been amazing uh, partners. In this, but at the time working with a potential publisher and whatnot, as we were walking out of the room, I just looked at him and said, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, he just looked and laughed. And, and, uh, you know, after, you know, 30 years of storytelling and marketing, yeah. I thought I'd have a good chance of doing this, but I spent months like reading kids books and trying to break them down scientifically yeah. for word counts and story arcs and, and things like that. So I, th- I felt I could do a a half decent job, but I, I have two friends that, that worked on it with me that are pros. And, and so we're, we're pretty excited about that.
0: Oh, that's great, man. Well, as soon as, uh, as soon as it's available, we'll share it with the hundreds of thousands of people who follow <laughs> us. <laughs> the dozens of listeners are reaching right now. You'll get the adverb bump. Perfect. When that book the comes out. Bump.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they say you're only as good as your last gig. And my last gig was the adverb business card. So, <laughs> i so think it's over I think I'm you. pretty much done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Amazing.
0: It's so amazing to have you in uh in our office today. And thanks again for the logo design for the business cards. You he brought us business cards. Jeff had them printed for us. And then he brought that in a nice bottle of rum. So uh, we're gonna finish that right now. And then we'll we'll pour you into a cab and then you're Perfect. off to the races. Perfect. Thanks for coming
1: in, man. Thank you, guys. Congratulations. Thank you.